Assalamu alaikum. May the peace and blessings of God be upon you. And welcome to a very special Pathway to Peace show here on the Voice of Islam Radio, a show where we take an analytical look at how we can achieve peace, whether that be political peace, economic peace, societal peace, or even inner peace. I invite you to get involved in the conversation here on the Pathway to Peace show. You can do this by tweeting at Voice of Islam UK using the hashtag VOI Peace. That's VOI for Voice of Islam followed by the word peace. Hashtag VOI Peace to let us know your thoughts. Let me introduce you to our team here in the studio of presenters. Of course, you will all know my distinguished co-host on our normal Pathway to Peace programs on Sundays at 7 p.m., my peaceful pal, Mr. Arif Khan. Arif, assalamu alaikum. The place is truly buzzing today, isn't it? Well, peace be upon you, Sufyan. Yes, I can't think of a, a uh, you know, another occasion where you've had two such major events taking place literally on the same day, pretty much just a few hours apart. So finally, we're together again for the Peace Symposium. And also, as you highlighted at the start of the show, the reopening of Battle for Fatou Mosque. Yeah, the reopening is indeed a major part. His Holiness is expected to uh, inaugurate the front complex of the Bata Futu Mosque, and if you've driven by it, it is truly spectacular. Also joining us in the studio, we have another very familiar voice here on the Voice of Islam Radio. You've probably heard him on almost every single program here on the Voice of Islam. It's none other than Mr. Abdul Qayyum Rashid. Assalamu alaikum, Qayyum. How many programs, how many programs are you part of here on the Voice of Islam? And what are your sentiments being here today for this very special broadcast? Walaikum salam, peace be on you, gentlemen. Um, I'm not on all of the all of the programs. I'm only on the live shows. Only that, on the live shows. Only on the live shows. Morning, noon, and night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is all about getting the message out there. That's right. Uh, and uh, you know, you can't get more loud and clear than me. <laughs> so uh, you know, it is it is something that uh, is needed. And but to, to answer your question, yes, twenty. I'm on breakfast show. Mm. There is drive time. Yeah, um, we do a very um, excellent Saturday morning live. Yeah, um, and uh, of course, I am the the backup of Pathway to Peace. <laughs> Your team, the team yeah. of the team of peace. Yeah, we um, we're so glad to have you in in the studio with us. This it evening. is it is a pleasure and an honor. Yeah. to to join you guys on this remarkable yeah. event um, today. Um, I don't think that there are words to explain the importance um, of both the events that we are talking yeah. about today. We are talking about uh, the reopening and the inauguration of the House of Victories, the meaning of Baitul Fatu. In English, the literal meaning is it is a House of Victories. Yeah. Um, and the reason I say it's relevant because we are celebrating a peace symposium and victory is of peace mm. is what we are going to be talking about, what we're inaugurating and what this event is all about. It's about bringing peace to a very, very turbulent world at the moment. Yeah, indeed. And and you, you've already answered kind of the next question I was getting to um, about your sentiments and the two premier events that we are broadcasting to you live this evening. It is, it is such an honor and privilege to be here. I mean, Kayum, this is probably the biggest event after the annual convention of the of the UK, which happens in the summer, isn't it? Without a doubt, the annual convention is an international event where people from all over the world um, um, attend. Um, people, um, Ahmadis themselves, um, they come 
to the annual convention, to, it's like a recharge yeah. to meet old friends and to, of course, meet the Caliph, mm. uh, the fifth Caliph of the Promised Messiah, Mirza, uh, His Holiness Mirza Masroor Ahmed. Um, may Allah strengthen his hand. He's there to address um, not just members of the community, but political figures, people, members from armed forces, people from all walks of life attend. And everyone comes, attends and leaves um, with the hope that they will be invited again. Because um, when they see that uh, this community that is led by His Holiness actually is more than just lip service. We yeah. live what we say. When we say love for all, hatred for none, mm. they see it in motion yeah. at the annual convention. And that message um, of peace, uh, where, you know, we always talk about it, but yeah. this peace symposium, it's the 17th peace symposium. We are practically living, yeah. um, promoting peace. Yeah. by inviting people from all walks of life, decision makers, influencers who come to this event and listen to the address of His Holiness, um, um, and uh, which is um, to look for solutions. Yeah, um, Because at the moment we are in a place where nobody seems to be looking for solutions. Everyone mm. kind of is regurgitating the same problem from a different perspective. Um, yeah. But His Holiness um, talks about how peace actually can be achieved um, and uh, he's uh, he's he's leading the way yeah for the past since 2009 mm -hmm. um, I think uh, that's the first peace symposium we had um, I'm sure somebody will correct me or you or your brothers will correct me but um, um, that every year we celebrate peace yeah. there are people from all walks of life all communities all religions who are promoting what we're promoting but yeah. We're taking it that one step further. Yeah, His Holiness has become known as a, a, a man of peace around it, the world. Well, he Mine, is. He's know, speaking, speaking um, at various events, at various uh, parliaments, houses of parliaments, whether that be a Capitol Hill. Here in the UK, he's spoken to Parliament Canada. Uh, you name it, he's been there. Uh, he's done that. And uh, uh, yeah, the Peace Symposium has been going since 2004. Four, my apologies. Yeah. There you go. Thank so, you for correction. Uh, another, another five years on top of... Uh, I, I think there's one other thing I, I would love to I, I need to mention the reason um, one of the one of the reasons why the peace symposiums were started because the name of Islam yeah. the literal meaning of Islam is yeah. to submit and to submit to the will of God and the will of God is peace yeah um, and so-called Muslims around the world had tarnished mm. that name that image the beautiful teachings of the Holy Prophet may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him was being tarnished was being misrepresented. And a voice was needed um, mm. in 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 uh, in the world, and His Holiness has been the perfect example um, of defending the true message um, and the teachings of the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, uh, by demonstrating and talking about how peace can be achieved. Writing books, as you so rightly say, brother. Yeah. Um, going to different um, uh, decision makers around the world and yeah. saying, um, look, there is a solution. Yeah, and people come to His Holiness on a regular basis to seek His advice. That's right. And we've seen them at the at the Friday sermon uh, at the Friday sermon some years ago when Boris Johnson was mayor. He came. Uh, Ed Davies, Sir Ed Davies, who will also be here this evening, uh, attending the event and expected uh, is expected to uh, give his remarks. Uh, also, has taken. Uh, 
comfort and, and advice from, from His Holiness, this National Peace Symposium has become really a flagship event and more than 800 guests are expected this evening to attend. And it really, I mean, this year in particular, Arif, it comes at a very, very critical time with the the global situation, with what we're seeing with the tensions between Ukraine and Russia. I'm sure His Holiness will talk about that and much, much more. But just looking at the world today, we're in a very precarious state. And often on the Pathway to Peace show throughout the years, we've been kind of hinting at that, exactly. but it almost is all coming to a head now, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. So we'll, what we'll get into later in the show is we'll take a look back at what His Holiness said in previous years. I had the uh, opportunity to do that earlier today, and it was honestly, you know, the hairs were going on the back of my neck when I was reading some of the things that His Holiness spoke about, right? So let me give you one example. So in 2015, this is what he said about Ukraine, right? 2015, that's eight years ago. He spoke about and he said, this is a direct quote, he said, and it is not just in the Muslim world that we see disorder and conflict. For example, the situation in, in Ukraine remains unresolved and highly dangerous. At the time, it was the annexation of that you know, part of... Oh, Ukraine. this is when the, the Crimea. Crimea. Yeah, exactly, Crimea. So he went on to say, quote, although a tentative ceasefire has recently signed, a further escalation of the conflict and a future war cannot be ruled out. The major powers would be unwise to underestimate the threat posed by that region. Much has been written and said about how more than 25 years after the end of the Cold War, political tensions and other serious issues have engulfed the region once again, the economic situation being one of them, and this cannot be taken for granted. So honestly, as I said, like, you know, that was um, reading that was very profound for me today that he mentioned yeah. that on this platform which as we've talked about is a global platform with thought leaders from all over the world coming in. It's broadcast on MTA. And he highlighted for, as one example, that Ukraine is something we need to pay attention to. Yeah. And as you've said, unfortunately, if we fast forward now eight years, you know, we're in the, in the midst of that right now. And like you said, this is, it feels like such an important time to be mm. holding a peace conference because His Holiness has been warning about the potential of a third world war. Yeah. And I think, you know, when, when he started doing this, you know, right when he was first appointed, nearly 20 years ago, he was talking about it continually and at that time it felt like we weren't some of us might have felt well are we really heading to a world war it doesn't feel that way but yeah. piece by piece you know we've seen the blocks form piece by piece sadly the world has had more and more issues and now we're at the stage where everyone's talking about uh, a nuclear his potential holiness, war. his holiness spoke about blocks forming before the blocks had even come exactly. into our our recognition didn't they Kayum? they did uh, his holiness did without a shadow of a doubt but his holiness was also um kind of building on uh, prophecies that yeah. were spoken about before from yeah. the time of the promised Messiah yeah. on whom be peace the, the founder of the Amdiya Muslim community who had foreseen um, you know um, the devastation of the First World War mm. Second World War yeah. and he had spoken about it in such detail that when the actual events happened you couldn't help but think wow to the to you know to the full stop the what the promised messiah had said happened hmm. similar thing events happened on second world war with all um, famines earthquakes natural disasters wars hmm. um over a period of time the caliphates um of the promised messiah from the first caliph hazrat akim nuruddin may Allah have mercy on his soul to the second caliph the second caliph the promised son hazrat mirza bashiruddin mahmud ahmad may Allah have mercy on his soul he um, has written books. He he wrote extensively on world affairs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, from an economic perspective, how what is happening today, he has written about it extensively. When 
there was a new world order. Yeah. And if one was to look at, truly look at substance uh, in the economic world, in the finance world, that's one thing everybody talks about, the great reset. Mm. It is happening. It is spoken about. And His Holiness, um, uh, the the second caliph of the Amri Muslim community, uh, he wrote about it some 50, 60 years ago, that yeah. this is something we are heading towards. The third caliph also spoke about, he spoke about how love for all, hatred for none. Back in 1980, he yeah. spoke about how it is essential that the world takes heed and focuses on love and and uh, and to stop hating yeah and you know let's look at it now 2023 some 43 years later um what is everyone talking about hatred and we keep on we are talking about love how love for neighbor love for communities let love for society i mean you guys talk about it on a weekly basis when you talk about um, looking for peace. Yeah. Peace can only come when people learn to love. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's it's a built-up of what's been happening over the years. And His Holiness, the fifth caliph of the Promised Messiah, Azimuzah Masur Ahmad, may Allah strengthen his hand, is carrying on that message. and But he's carrying it on in, in, you know, in the face of kind of the worst possible times in the past, so since Second World War. Hmm. In reality... We are more close to World War III today than we have ever been since the 40s. Yeah. The countries that are um, at conflict with each other, His Holiness has spoken uh, to the leaders of these countries, has written to the leaders of these countries directly. Um, and today is going to be just another one of those uh, steps that's going to be taken, um, which is so much needed today because you guys will know, we all know, yeah. no one's talking about peace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No one. In fact, people are talking the total opposite. It's about escalation. It's about, we will give you weapons, we will sell you weapons. In the finance world, the, the only shares that are hitting the top the top rates are the companies that are manufacturing Military. So there is a need for a yeah. voice, and that voice is His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmed. Um, may Allah strengthen his hand. Keynote address is now about to be delivered by His Holiness, the fifth caliph of the promised Messiah. Hazrat Mirza Masrur Ahmad, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. All distinguished guests, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessing of Allah be upon you all. Firstly, <coughs> I would like to express my sincere gratitude to all of our guests who have joined us here this evening. Due to the COVID pandemic, we were unable to hold such a guest reception for the last few years. Given this, we are extremely pleased that today after an interval of four years, we are able to host all of you, old and new friends alike, once again. <clears throat> this event <clears throat> is being held to inaugurate the reconstru reconstruction of the administrative block of the Bethlehem Mosque complex and alongside 
the inauguration we are holding our National Peace Symposium. <clears throat> Therefore, I will seek to briefly mention the objectives of a mosque and also offer my thoughts on the current state of the world and how to achieve global peace and security. According to my belief, it is not possible to fulfill the rights of Allah the Almighty or attain His nearness without fulfilling the rights of our fellow human beings and all of God's creation. True Muslims, therefore, live their lives peacefully and seek to pro propagate peace, tolerance, and mutual understanding in society. Indeed, Ahmadi Muslims believe that the founder of our community was sent by Allah the Almighty to draw the attention of mankind towards these core fundamental Islamic principles of fulfilling the rights of worship of God Almighty, fulfilling the rights of humanity, and seeking to spread peace and harmony throughout the world. He bequeathed us, to us a legacy of peace by making it clear that there is a direct correlation between the worship of God Almighty and fulfilling the rights of mankind. This is something to keep in mind as we gather in this building that stands adjacent to the main mosque and so forms part of the mosque complex. Mosques are built for the worship of Allah the Almighty. And it is stated in the Holy Quran that if a person does not fulfill the rights of God's creation, their prayers and worship will be rejected. Indeed, the Quran states that the worship of those who fail to pay heed to other people's rights will be the means of their downfall and humiliation rather than the means of their salvation. Furthermore, it is essential to note that Muslims are commanded to build their mosque in the direction of the Holy Kaaba, the sacred house of Makkah, and to worship towards it. Yet, it is not enough to merely turn one's physical direction towards the Holy Kaaba. Rather, Muslims and their mosques must fulfill the objectives of the Kaaba, outlined in chapter 3, verse 98 of the Holy Quran, where it states that whosoever enters the sacred house of Allah enters peace. The, this Quranic verse means that a true Muslim, upon entering a mosque, shall himself enter a state of peace and shall, be, by fulfilling the rights and commands of God, prove a beacon of peace and security for others. 
all our most spiritually mirror the holy cup where in they serve not only as an abode of worshiping god almighty but are also a means of fulfilling the rights of mankind and establishing peace in the world as muslims we pray five times a day and in each prayer it is incumbent upon us to recite the first chapter of the holy quran in its second verse allah the almighty proclaims that he is the lord of all the worlds and all of all people he is not just the provider and sustainer of muslims but he provides for and sustains christians jews hindus sikhs and indeed people of all religions and beliefs he grants them life and he fulfills their basic needs through his grace and compassion consequently from the very start of the holy quran muslims are taught that the fundamental pillar of islamic teaching is that a sincere muslim must never harm the people of other faiths or religions harbor any form of hatred or speak ill of them in any way as we are all the creation of god almighty indeed it is our conviction and teaching that allah the almighty fulfills the needs of those who do not appreciate his grace and reject his very existence not only does he provide for them but he also grants them the fruits of their labor this is the concept of the all merciful god in whom we believe surely those who have faith in such a gracious god can never seek to undermine the peace and well-being of others thus it is purely to attain the nearness and love of such a benevolent and loving god that the ahmadiyya muslim community strives to foster peace and harmony around the world ever since our community was founded in the late 19th century alongside inviting others towards god's uh, god almighty we have consistently practiced and preached a message of mutual understanding and tolerance and sought to establish true peace in the world as i mentioned earlier prior to the pandemic we held this national peace symposium each year and we are grateful to have the opportunity to resume this event in an effort to advance the cause of peace in addition we hold similar conferences and events all around the world seeking to bring people together irrespective of their caste creed or color under the banner of humanity and strive to identify solutions to the problems faced in the world our motivation is for true and lasting peace to emerge so that mankind can save itself from self destruction our objective is to raise awareness of the fact that the world stands at the precipice of disaster and to urge humanity 
to take a step back and consider our responsibilities, not only to the people of today, but also to our future generations. We hold such events so we can proclaim our firm conviction that only in peace lies the salvation of the world. Peace is the golden key to un unlocking the door to societal progress and development and ensuring that our future generations can thrive and prosper. Though we have long preached this message, it seems to have fallen upon deaf ears. I believe the fundamental reason is that that the vast majority of the world has turned away from God Almighty and consider materialistic gains and worldly pursuits to be their ultimate objective. It was due to such vain and covetous pursuit that mankind was dragged into two calamitous and harrowing world wars during the 20th century. Rather than learn from the horrors of the past, the world is once again engulfed by warfare and conflict. At this point, I should clarify that I do not believe that the blame lies exclusively with Muslims or non-Muslims. Nor do I say that cruelties or injustice are the sole preserve of any one group or nation. Any Muslims or so-called Islamic groups who inflict cruelties or conduct barbaric acts violate their religious teachings and are fully culpable and to be condemned in the strongest terms. According to Islam's teachings, permission for war is only granted under extreme circumstances as a defensive measure, where a concerted effort is made to destroy the institution of religion and freedom of belief through warfare. Islam has never and never will permit aggressive warfare for the sake of territorial gains or fulfilling the geopolitical ambitions. Furthermore, the Holy Quran has instructed that every possible opportunity to achieve peace must be pursued, no matter how remote the chance of success are. In chapter 49, verse 10, Allah the Almighty states that when two nations are at war, third parties should seek to reconcile them and draw them to a peaceful settlement. If the aggressor continues to wage war, it is up to other nations to join forces and use proportionate and legitimate force to stop the oppressor. However, once their cruelties cease, unjust retribution or revenge must not be exacted. <clears throat> Regarding this principle, chapter 5, verse 9 of the Holy Quran categorically states that you must not let the enmity of any nation or party prevent you from upholding the true standards of justice and, and equi equity. Accordingly, 
punitive sanctions or other unjust measures that prevent a nation from moving forward post-war and uh, limits its, uh, limit its uh, freedom and prosperity should be avoided at all costs. Just a few days ago marked the first anniversary of the war in Ukraine and sadly there is no sign of how or when the war will end. Nonetheless, this has not stopped certain political leaders from stating that once the war does end, Russia should be subjected to extreme sanctions and made to pay for its actions. Recently, a column by the journalist Matthew Paris was published in the Times stating that such statements in advance of any meaningful peace talks are ill-judged and serve only to further inflame a volatile situation and reduce the chances of a peaceful settlement. The columnist wrote that political leaders should be above seeking short-term media acclaim and recognize, as he puts it, that the words spoken now can cast long shadows across a future terrain of which we are still ignorant. He writes that now is not the time to speak of reparations from a defeated Russia or to call for Nuremberg-style war, war crimes tribunals. I believe his right to serve this warning. What incentive will Russia and its leaders have to seize hostilities uh, if they know that their withdrawal will lead to their certain ruin. As I have said, Islamic teachings require for every effort to be made to bring peaceful solution to a conflict. For this reason, I believe it is essential to keep the channels of communication open and to strive to find mutually acceptable terms of agreement. If, however, the aggressor remains bent on causing misery and destruction and refuses to withdraw, Islam teaches that other nations should join together as one and use proportionate and necessary force to end the cruelties. The objective of the intervening parties must remain at all times to establish peace instead of seeking revenge or humiliating the aggressor. Nor should the underlying intention ever be to line one's pockets or to exploit the conflict to advance Western interests. Otherwise, those who have been demeaned will undoubtedly harbor a sense of injustice and resentment. Such frustrations are bound to eventually boil over and lead to further conflict, and so the cycle of incessant violence will continue to rotate with ever greater fury. Regard regrettably, as the columnist noted, rather than acting wisely, certain leaders and officials are making statements 
or pledges that serve only to pour petrol on the fire. Instead of helping to end the war, their comments reduce the long-term chances of peace. In a similar vein, an extremely dangerous consequence of the war in Ukraine has been the solidification of opposing political blocs and alliances and the rhetoric being used in international relations is becoming increasingly hostile on all sides. For example, much has been written about how Russia and China are forging closer ties, bonded by their mutual antagonism towards the West. The truth is that war often begets war. There are genuine concerns that the Ukraine conflict could spread or that other nations could be emboldened to abandon diplomatic efforts to resolve their disputes and resort to force. For example, the situation in Taiwan is becoming increasingly precarious as China seeks to assert its control. Hence, world leaders, the media, and others should not fall into the trap of thinking that the war in Ukraine can be easily contained. In this regard, the journalist Peter Hitchens recently wrote in a national newspaper about the decision of several Western countries to send their tanks to Ukraine. He wrote, if they, the tanks being given to Ukraine, cross into what Russia regards as its own territory, then do not be surprised by anything which happens. He continues, there is the real possibility that a large chunk of Europe might be turned into a radioactive graveyard and that American conventional relations for this, which will be furious and powerful, will make us a stage further into the world of horror, loss, flight, pestilence, and poverty, which always follows war. Regarding Russia and Ukraine, he says, two countries are in a furious grapple because their deep, hard, and unalterable interests conflict. This, the sane and decent policy for any outside power is to help push them into a lasting compromise. As the world did to France and Germany after 1945, instead we send tanks, it is as if the fire brigade went about starting fires. Other commentators are reaching similar conclusions. During the recent interview, the renowned economist Professor Jeffrey Slash said, I contacted the White House at the end of 2021 and said there will be war unless the US enters diplomatic talks with President Putin over this question of NATO enlargement. I was told the U.S. will never do that. That is off the table. Now, we have a war that is extraordinarily dangerous, and we are taking exactly the same tactics in East Asia that led to the war in Ukraine. We are organizing alliances, building up weaponry. He continues, the Chinese government said, please lower the temperature, lower the tensions, and we said, no, we do what we want. 
and now sent more arms, and this is the recipe for yet another war. And to my mind, it is terrifying. Increasingly, academics, political experts, and respected analysts are warning that we are approaching a grave period in the history of humanity. For example, the symbolic doomsday clock controlled by an international panel of some scientists which forecasts the likelihood of a human-made global catastrophe was recently turned to just 90 seconds until midnight, the closest to a global disaster it has ever predicted. The scientists stated that we are living in a time of unprecedented danger and warned that there is a significant risk of global war triggered either by accident, miscalculation, or even intentionally. As we ponder over such dire warnings, the obvious question is how can the world bring an end to the cycle of warfare and bloodshed that we witness today? The world is well versed in supporting victims and those suffering injustice, as is the case with the Ukrainian nations, nation at this time. Yet, it may surprise you to hear that Islam teaches Muslims to help not only the victim of the persecuted, but also the perpetrator and oppressor. Of course, this does not mean you provide the aggressor with the means of freedom to inflict further cruelties. Rather, to help an aggressor means to stop them from committing further brutalities and injustice. Whenever, uh, whatever wrongs are being committed by the Russian state, we must keep in mind the broader picture that if the war is not brought to an end, it will lead to a deepening global crisis with potentially catastrophic results. Opposing blocs will become further entrenched. Hatreds will become even more deeply rooted, increasing the likelihood of a world war. Hence, as they continue to support Ukraine as it defends itself, world powers should also be making every possible effort to end the war through peace talks and good faith negotiations. Otherwise, I fear the war will spread beyond Europe and eastwards towards Asia, and who knows where it will stop. For many years, I have warned of the risks of a full-scale world war and have spoken of how its deadly and destructive consequences are far beyond our comprehension. Having long warned of such a war, I take no satisfaction in the fact that we are moving ever closer to it and that others are now expressing similar sentiments and fears. Rather, I feel only grief and anguish as I see the world hurtling ever faster towards a terrifying world war in which the lives of millions of innocent people <coughs> will be lost or permanently destroyed. Moreover, what kind future will we have, uh, will we leave behind 
to those who are yet to come. Instead of bestowing a legacy of peace and prosperity to our future generations, our parting gift to them will be nothing except death, destruction, and misery. Certainly, it is my grave fear that today's geopolitical tensions could spiral out of all control and ultimately lead to a nuclear war. We should be under no illusion about the fact that if, God forbid, a nuclear weapon is ever used, it will strike the Earth with such velocity and force that its toxic effects will be felt for decades to come. Hundreds of thousands or even millions will surely die either instantly or in the aftermath. Those who survive will suffer miserable and torturous lives as they seek to pick up the shattered pieces of humanity. As for the devastating impact on future generations, countless infants will be born with genetic defects and disabilities as a result of the perpetual effects of radiation. Thus, with all my heart, I pray that may Allah Almighty have mercy upon humanity and may the people of the world, especially its leaders and policymakers, see sense before it is too late. I pray that instead of warmongering and saber rattling, they utilize all their faculties and resources to foster peace and security for all peoples and nations. Rather than seeking to feed their egos and satisfy their lust for power by fueling wars, may they recognize their responsibilities to safeguard humanity for the sake of people today and for our future generations by making policies that end all forms of conflict. May they be the guardians of peace and prosperity rather than the agents of war and bloodshed. As a religious person, I firmly believe that this can only happen when mankind sets aside its selfish ways and materialistic desires and comes to recognize and worship the one God and strives to fulfill his rights and act upon his teachings. I pray that may Allah the Almighty grant people wisdom and may all mankind manifest those principles of principal objectives that the creator and master of this world, Allah the Almighty, desires from us to fulfill his rights and those of his creation. Amen. So that was the silent prayer to conclude the speaking portion of the 17th Annual National Peace Symposium here at the Bath of the Mosque. And we here on the Pathway to Peace show are going to break down what we just heard. I'm joined in studio by Arif Khan and Abdul Qayyum. Uh, gentlemen, what a powerful and inspirational speech. A very, um, you know, His, His Holiness began with, with talking about the purpose of a mosque, with this being the inauguration of the administrative block of the new a uh, beautiful Batafutu Mosque here in southwest London, and then turned his attention to the global situation. 
and not a very pretty picture. Arif, let's start with you. Get your initial initial thoughts on the address of His Holiness. Well, I think uh, just like we said, today is about two different things. Today is about the inauguration of the Bethel for the Mosque in Morden, and it's also the National Peace Symposium. And I feel like his address kind of summarized those two areas really, which is first emphasizing well, what's the point of a mosque, and uh, you know the sanctity and security that a mosque brings, and the obligation of you know, those in the mosque, what you know, what does a mosque really mean for the wider community, not just his believers, uh, the believers worshipping there? And then, of course, we had to then deal with the situation and the topic of peace. And like we've said earlier in the show, His Holiness has been talking about, you know, world war, nuclear war for so long, and never has those words felt, you know, more poignant than today, because as the doomsday clock says, you know, we're 15, 15 minutes from midnight, um, and it was, you know, again, very powerful address uh, and, and, you know, sobering, really, because... It just shows, you know, we're, the world is in a very precarious state. We need to listen to this message quickly and try and establish peace in uh, in Ukraine, really. Yeah, absolutely. It took a different different a change from past speeches, Kayum, in the in the sense that in the past, His Holiness has been very direct in 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 stating his own kind of philosophy and and where he thinks the world is. But ironically, today, what I noticed. And tell me if you agree or not. But His Holiness is now. I mean, he said he gave this message. 10, 12, 15 years ago, and now everybody else is catching up. Today, what was very interesting was that His Holiness was quoting Western journalists saying the exact same thing that he was saying a decade ago. You see, that's that's the point, though, Yeah, that His Holiness is making, that uh, 10 years ago he saw the signs, um, not just from a spiritual point of view, but he saw the signs in the way the world was reacting, how leaders were leading, how... Um, earlier in our conversation, before the the, the address, uh, we were talking about populism, and we were cha- we were looking at the change in the kind of um, the, the, there was a change in the air mm. that the, you know globally f- for for a, for a, for a while we were living in this um, globalized world where everything seemed calm, the seas mm. were calm, but his holiness saw. The, the the you know the waves appearing and and he saw that storm coming through and he started warning um the world look this is what's happening and again um, how many times have we sat here and spoke i mean Arif, you just quoted his holiness back in 2015 2016 2012 yeah. of various um um uh, signs that look, this is going to come, and people were saying, "Well, what's going on here? We're, we're living in peaceful times, and and and, and why?" E- even people from within uh, the 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 uh, the Muslim world were saying, "What's going on here? You know, it's, everything seems to be uh, uh, good. Everything is nice." But the reason why His Holiness is mentioning that now, because there was a section of the community within mainstream media who did listen. Yeah, and they and and they tried their best to write about the 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 true message of what's being what's what's happening out there in the world. Hmm. Um, yet the problem is, it's a handful of people. Yeah. It isn't mainstream yet, as much as there are one or two mainstream uh, journalists, but they are still individuals. And and the fact that His Holiness knows that these people have written these things. It shows how aware His Holiness is of what is happening out there in the world, you know. And 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 look, um, His Holiness couldn't have said it more directly. Look, 
that the leaders are not leading. Mm. They are not leading. And he's in his holiness kind of clarified, look, I am a religious man. Mm. Did you did you hear right that? Right at the end, yeah. He he cla- he Made it very he clear. asserted I am a religious man. And the job and the and and the the responsibility of a religious man is not to look at the politics of what's happening. Mm. It's to look at what's happening for the care and the love of the people, the protection of the people. Protection of the world, humanity is what his holiness is talking about. Yeah. Yeah, he's talking about catastrophe because the leaders are thinking politically and the decisions they're going to make are not based around the welfare of the people it's about the welfare of their egos and prides and their economies and their economies as he's always talked about egos and pride yeah you know and and you know how many times even even within the cultures that we born and brought up in ego and pride are are the, the worst enemies of of uh, of a man uh, be it man woman but humans you know irrespective of which whichever religion you come from all religions teach you that when you develop ego and when you develop pride it will only lead to a slippery slope and the fact is our our international leaders are on that slippery slope hmm. and they are so much on that slippery slope and they are so much lost in that ego of how we want to gain that much more power that they are forgetting that they are serving people yeah. they're so, and they they're forgetting the people they serve it's about they it's, it's about it's become me myself and i and his holiness is warning and and thing is his if if you listen to the words his holiness is talking that uh, look it they still claim mm-hmm. yeah so there's still that the, the sense of optimism yes. that his holiness has that we can we can turn back this doomsday clock so to say hence why he's quoting it yeah i think the difference i found so i had the chance as i've mentioned a few times now to look at all his previous addresses right. his holiness did quote scholars western experts as well but i think the scary thing is this when he was quoting them he was looking for quite specialized periodicals and experts it wasn't mm. mainstream now the people he's quoting are people that are mainstream, mainstream. journalists so now it's like then there was a small as kim was saying maybe a small group of people got it yeah. got what yeah. was happening but it was quite niche now it's like you know correspondents so, in the spectator the telegraph the mainstream are saying the exact things that he talked about using the words nuclear being mentioned in the mainstream as was quoted by Sodinus that to me makes it me realize that you know we're at that point now because even the mainstream are talking about that yeah yeah and another interesting part that i found was when his holiness was talking about the sanctions on russia and i think it was matthew paris in the spectator that his holiness quoted and and talked about how these sanctions i mean what what the western powers are saying is that we want to impose sanctions on russia after the war is said and done and what matthew paris was saying in his spectator article is that this is actually very very dangerous yeah. and this goes back to what his holiness has been saying time and time again about the establishment of true justice yep. and it's not about taking revenge well plus what his holiness is saying and what matthew paris is saying is well, hold on you haven't won it yet yeah you're poking the bear here yeah by saying when we beat you mm. this is what we will do to you mm. the, when you know the mindset yeah. of your enemy and they know that president putin is of a certain mindset mm. and when you know that you're using this language which will infuriate him then you can't say well hold on we had nothing to do with it 
if he reacts, what did his holiness say? His holiness said, well, if there is a reaction, it can lead to catastrophe. And then you, you know, what people are forgetting is, and, you know, playing this game of naivety that words don't matter. In this, in in this war, all wars always start with words, yeah, and they escalate from words. And but but one thing I find really stark is His Holiness describing the true meaning of the Islamic faith. That look, we are a religion. We will look after the victims, but we will also look to teach and and correct the perpetrators as yeah. well. We will not forget anyone. We are not on and and what His Holiness is saying is that we're not taking sides here. Yeah, this is not a game. This is about the the the, the safety of humanity. His Holiness is not talking countries. Mm-hmm. What did he say? He's thinking. He's saying this will go beyond the Western world. He, he yeah. quoted. We were discussing yeah. it when His Holiness was was quoting it that he talked of the East. East, you know. Yeah. I want to quote a verse of the Holy Quran that he referred to as well. I think it's it's really blows my mind that you know here's a text that was revealed nearly fifteen hundred years ago, and yet it's describing exactly almost the situation we see in front of us now. So, uh, chapter forty nine, verse ten, it says, "And if two parties of believers fight against each other, make peace between them." Then if after that one of them transgresses, the other should fight the party that transgresses until it returns to the command of Allah. Then if it returns, make peace with them and with equity and act justly. Verily, Allah loves the just. That's the end of the quote. So it's Holiness referenced this, that the Islamic teaching is, if there is a conflict between two parties, you know, they should be encouraged to reconcile. Mm. If they don't, you should get together, yeah. collaborate and you know address the one that isn't. Not because you want to then have self-interest afterwards. Deal with that situation, diffuse it, and then move on, act equitably. With the current state of this unstable world, the fear of World War III, yet no one is advocating for peace. A huge vacuum on true leadership until now. You have been listening to the historic address by the fifth caliph of the promised Messiah, delivered on the 4th of March, 2023. Until next time. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.